all you merrymakers. I'm your host, John Bataki, and this is Best One Since the Next One, the podcast that usually dives headfirst into film and TV franchises and the fandoms they inspire. But this week, in our post-Christmas hangover, in this week of time out of time, we're taking a break from our Matrix series to process the Matrix Resurrections and build our 2021 naughty or nice lists. What does this mean, you say? You'll find out in a couple of minutes. Uh, why didn't we do this last week before Christmas when it would have made more sense? There's no good reason for it. We're just ran out of time. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. Ring that little bell on Spotify. Uh, remember to give us a five-star review on their podcast ratings, their new podcast ratings, and just uh, find us wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts and spread the word. Today, to join me to build these naughty or nice lists is Silver Cyprian from the Into the Garbage Shoot podcast. Silver, how are you? Hello, John. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. I like your mood lighting too in the background. It's very soothing to me. Very okay. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad it's not bothersome. Um, <laughs> you guys, I have a strobe light going uh, party going on right here in my um in my recording room right now. So <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> only it's, for it's you, just, John. <laughs> yeah, just the soothing color changes. It's really putting me in the mood for this. Basically, what we're gonna do is gonna go through either name like one or two of our movies on our naughty list this year, movies that didn't really quite work for us or uh, that irritated us in some way or we just didn't care for. And then our top five nice movies of the year, which are not necessarily like the best movies of the year or the most critically acclaimed, just movies that like gave us a spark of joy in 2021 because we definitely needed it this year. And uh, maybe it would have been better time last week for Christmas, but actually in Michigan right now, it's snowing way more than it did actually on Christmas. It was like 55 on Christmas Day. So it feels a little bit more like Christmas right now. So we'll go with that. Before we get into that, though, like as far as 2021 goes, Silver, how was that? How was it as a movie year to you? How did you did you find it easy to see movies? Did you spend more time going to the theater? Did you stream more stuff at home? Did you feel like you could see everything that you wanted to see? Yeah, you know what? I actually... I was so happy to any chance that I was able to get go to the movie theater. Uh, of course, you know, I happen to live right across the street, a movie theater that does not, um, that really limits the seating. So I felt, you know, I just felt pretty safe as long as I was like comfortable and safe enough, like for me to go, um, I was happy to be back. But I also, I found myself surprisingly enjoying streaming a good movie at home. And if you know me, I, I love my movie theaters. I love sitting down. I love my large Coke, my popcorn and my nacho cheese dip. And I found myself actually enjoying uh, watching the streaming at home. Um, so it was kind of like a mix. I'm right, like right smack in the middle. <laughs> I think I'm right there with you. It's, I mean, you're in LA. I feel like you probably get more movies out there. We were a little more limited here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, but um I mean, the, the, the streaming aspect kind of came in to save the day in, in cases like that where, you know, movies went to VOD or streaming so quickly that you could kind of catch up on the things that you didn't want to, that, that you missed at the theater. I mean, there's still like a ton of stuff that I wanted to see personally that it's still like impossible to find because it was in the theater for like two seconds and then it's not on anything yet. But um, I mean, in terms of like, you know, I didn't get to see The Matrix in the theater because I was sick and that's it being an HBO Max, like save the day, you know yeah. what I mean? Like. It's a, it's a, it's a moment of acceptance, you know, it's like, yeah. you want to kind of like, you know, it's only a theater for me. I'm a movie, I'm a movie purist, just yes. the movie theater for yes. me, but it's like, yeah. there was a level of acceptance this year of like, okay, it's just not that bad. It's actually very convenient. I do yeah. just want to stay home. Yeah. I want to wear my sweatpants and just watch exactly. a movie. <laughs> I'll lock my phone in a drawer. So yeah, yeah, yeah for I, sure. <laughs> I, I think I'm right there with you. Kind of just straight down the middle of like. I'm glad to be back when I can masked up and sit when I feel safe, when it's not completely packed. Just seeing movies is what it's, what it's all about. So should we move into our lists? <laughs> I'm excited. Let's do yes. it. Um, yes. Like I said, first, we're going to start with the naughty list. Naughty. Um, which, <laughs> so naughty. I'm so, so sorry that I have to say naughty so much on this podcast. <laughs> it's a naughty little list. So basically what we're going to do is I, I gave Silver the, the the homework of naming you know one to three movies that disappointed us or irritated us or flat out just hated or didn't like in 2021 silver what's yours i'm gonna say space jam <laughs> irritated the heck out of me every tv spot every commercial irritated irritated me i honestly did not even i did not watch the movie just because it was just the, the way the way it exists, it just bothers me. But um, yeah, that's definitely on my naughty list. Naughty. 
Um, not a fun naughty either. It's just really just like bad. I just, just don't. Extremely yeah. naughty. Yeah. Extremely, <laughs> extremely uh, naughty. So I was not too happy with uh, Space Jam. What was going on with that movie? What honestly, like, what were they thinking? It's one of the most yeah. bizarre things I've ever seen. Like yes. the droogs from A Clockwork Orange hanging yeah. out. It looked bizarre. It, was, it looked terrible. Don Cheadle was like in a different movie getting his paycheck. I don't know what the hell was going on. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, I'm just going to read a couple lines and, you know, collect my money. I don't want to be here, but here I am. <laughs> how, how far did you get into it before you turned it off? I honestly, I think it was, I think 10 minutes. I was just like, I'm over <laughs> it. I, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. And yeah, it was on, I was able, you know, I caught it at home, at home and I just thought, wow, this is why streaming exists. Because if I would have actually paid money to see this thing, I would have been really, really upset. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I get it. I know like, you know, the whole, there's a lot of reboots and stuff like that. I love the original Space Jam. Um, and it's not because I like the first one better than the other. It's just, I don't know, it just really didn't do well uh, for me. I just... I don't know what it was. I just, LeBron James just needs to just stick to basketball, I think. You know, Michael Jordan is notoriously pretty bad in the first one. Yes. And I, I don't have any nostalgic ties to the original yeah. Space Jam either. I saw it in the theater and yeah. I just never really like lashed onto it like other kids did. But I mean, I do love Michael Jordan and, mm -hmm. you know, I love LeBron too, but it's just like, just let it, let it go. Just let it ride off into the sunset. It's fine. Yeah. Space Jam, a new legacy was very naughty this year. <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad i let up with that with that it's just been it's just been bottled up inside i actually have not even mentioned that movie with anybody so <laughs> i think uh, i think we're working through some trauma here <laughs> yeah it's the movie that must not be named yes <laughs> uh is that all you had on your list or is it um, anything else i actually have one more and i was actually a little disappointed with the movie itself um and i was looking forward to it it's the mini the mini saints of Newark. I thought, I don't know. I, I walked out thinking I enjoyed it, but the more I had time to process it, I just really, I was just disappointed, pretty let down by it. And my husband's a big Sopranos fan. So I was able, you know, I was just kind of, I, I don't know. I think I maybe hyped it up a little bit too much, but um, I mean, I don't know. I think it was a little 35 minutes too long than it should have sure. been. And just I, I think just some of like the plot points were just kind of all over the place and yeah just really didn't really vibe with it definitely on the naughty list which is a bummer because i was really looking forward to it yeah sure a lot of people were i'm not a huge i'm not not saying i'm not a huge sopranos fan i've actually never seen the sopranos yeah i've seen two episodes of it and it's funny that you say 35 minutes too long i feel like <laughs> all movies are like 35 minutes too long lately yeah. it's like illegal to make anything under two hours for some reason lately but i never checked it out just because i didn't you know i haven't I don't have any kind of relationship to yeah. the Sopranos. And, mm -hmm. um, but I've heard that from a lot of people that it was just like, why does this even exist? What is yeah. This? It was such a bummer too, but you know, we just, we kind of wanted this prequel movie and we thought I was under the impression that it was uh, just Tony Sopranos, like complete, you know, pre just entire, he's, his story's barely in it, but I mean, I get it, but I don't at the same time. I just, yeah, I didn't, I wasn't too, I wasn't too happy with it. But that's definitely on the naughty list. Naughty. But I also maybe blame myself for hyping it up too much in my head. It seems like it was not necessary from from all all angles. Yes. So I feel like a lot of people thought that same way. So it's not you. Don't blame yourself. <laughs> Don't be so hard on yourself about the many saints of Newark. It's okay. Anything else on yours? No, just the, really those two. Um, just one that I just really despise and one I was really looking forward to. And it just really kind of didn't land with me. It's interesting to me that they're both ones that were released on H HBO Max releases <laughs> as well. So I was convinced for the first half of the year that it yeah. wasn't like a COVID decision. They were just like, get these things out there, yeah. just sneak them out. And like, we'll we'll just take the hit on them because yeah. the, the, the first movies they released on HBO Max were bad, were so bad. So I'm going to move on my list. My number one offender for 2021 on the naughty list was Ghostbusters Afterlife. Naughty. <laughs> I, it feels a little bit like punching down because I know a lot of people really like this movie and mm -hmm. I wanted to like it so, so, so badly. I love, mm -hmm. I love Ghostbusters one and two Ghostbusters two is one of the first movies I remember seeing like in a drive-in theater with my parents as a kid. And when I first saw the previews, I was like mildly excited for it, mm -hmm. but it just sure. kind of had this like, sh this like Amblin kind of like Spielbergian like sheen to it that I was like, yes. this isn't 
feel like Ghostbusters. And, you know, the, the 2016 one starring with like uh, Kristen Wiig and like Leslie Jones and everything like that. I, I didn't mind that movie. I thought it was like kind of rough in spots, but, you know, I didn't dislike it for the reasons that a bunch of like men's rights act- activists hated it online. <laughs> but this one, it started off promising enough. But then as they sh- as soon as they showed that mini Stay Puft Marshmallow Man clip yeah. on Instagram, that's I was like, it. we're in tr- we're in trouble. Yeah. Oh, they're, yeah. They're they're baby Yodaing this thing. Then I did some mental gymnastics and was like, well, maybe it's like Paul Rudd character was like in the New York attack in from the first one, and it's like trauma he's going through yeah. in a Walmart, and it's like just like he snaps out of it. But nope, in the movie, yeah. it's little. Have you seen it? I'm sorry. I no, I. I- John, I have no plans of seeing it. Please, okay. please right. spoil, please spoil the thing. Like, I'm, I'm actually, in, I'm actually enjoying this review right yeah. now. <laughs> part, part of, part of the tax of coming on a naughty or nice list, yeah, uh, podcast at the end of the year is having some mediocre movies spoiled for you. So sorry, um, please. But it's the mini Stay Puft Marshmallow Men oh, no. inside a Walmart that are playing on like clear product placement you know, items that you can buy at Walmart that have like their nice sale prices on them. Yeah. And he's just like walking down the aisles for all the different products. And I'm like, what is this? This is like <laughs> just so terrible. And then the last half of the movie hits and it's literally almost like a beat for beat remake of the original one with like Gozer and the, uh, the key master and the gatekeeper with Carrie Coon is like in the uh, Sigourney Weaver role and Paul Rudd in the Rick Moranis role. And it's like, I I know what they're trying to do here. They're force awakensing it. Yes. Big time. I was, I was just going to, I was just going to ask, is it just like a nostalgic, like here guys, remember this, remember this? Like just. It's pure, pure, pure nostalgia, nostalgia trip. That's it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, clearly I'm here for that. As I think we'll get into a little bit later in our nice lists in, in like, especially when we talk about in matrix resurrections talk ne- uh, next time, nostalgia can play a, p- a part in a movie yes. in an interesting way. But this was just purely reactionary. It seems yeah. like they were trying to force awakens it, yeah. but in the end, they rise a Skywalker at it Got because it. it felt like a reaction to fanboys being so pissed about the all female reboot. Yes, that they were like, "Let's give them what they want." And I just never Ugh. viewed Ghostbusters as that kind of thing. You know what I mean? That's so I never, annoying. I never viewed it as like a a, a movie that has lore or yeah. like a canon to it. It just was like a sarcastic, dry, wacky, creative. 80s comedy with people from SNL that I loved and respected. Exactly. And this is just like, and then the yeah. ultimate, I'm sorry if this is going to be like the whole podcast. This be just I love it. I absolutely, I'm enjoying this so much. You know, you're, I know you can see my face. I'm absolutely, I'm like hanging on everywhere you say right now. <laughs> the, um, the ultimate offender. And this is the thing I, I, this is the spoiler aspect of it. That it's like, it was so offensive to me. And I had to sit and think about for a while why it was so offensive to me. There's a CGI Harold Ramis at the end of it. As Egon. Yeah. <laughs> There's a CGI Egon that comes and like saves the day. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he doesn't speak. Everyone acknowledges him because he plays McKenna Grace's grandfather. He's Carrie Coon's Egon's daughter in the movie. It's like a CGI Harold Ramis. And it just felt so gross and offensive to me to like raise the dead in that way. Even yeah. if it's for a Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. And it's like, clearly they did that in Rogue One, right? Uh, with Tarkin. To me, that didn't seem as offensive because they were kind of using him as like a little, like just a piece of the story, not like the emotional core of it. Yeah. You know, That's that so seemed more, bizarre. more excusable. Yeah. yeah but this th- using a, a dead person, a dead person's image and likeness to push in a story form and emotionally with CGI graphics just seems so That's bizarre. Weird. And gross. Yeah. That is really weird because yeah, like he's mentioned like a rogue one with Tarkin, you know, again, it's just for the story. That's really what it is. You know, you, you know, it does not, <laughs> Right. Why? Why? I don't know. I just feel like you're just exploiting the. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> Is that just because we're Star Wars fans, though? We yeah, we we're pass for it? yeah, we're like forgiving. Like, oh, you know, it's cool. Whatever. <laughs> it's fine. Like, it's Star Wars can do whatever they want. I don't care. Um, yeah. <laughs> they can uh, use my my dead body. Yeah, exactly. They Please, want to. they can resurrect me all they want. <laughs> um, can I tell you something so interesting that you're as yeah. you're talking about your naughty list? Naughty. This Ghostbusters movie. I never made plans to watch it just because I just, I don't know. I just really just didn't, wasn't really into watching this movie, but now everything that you just said, (laughs) 
spoiled and everything. I cannot wait when I get off this podcast to like go check this movie out because just a more a morbid curiosity. Now. I, I'm so I'm just so actually just really I can't wait to check this out. You kind of convinced me. Don't know how you did it, but you did it. <laughs> you're, you're welcome, Jason Reitman. We did it for you. <laughs> yes, and like I said, I I don't want people to not love love it. It's not yeah, like I don't no, think absolutely. people. I, I love Ghostbusters. I love the first two. I, I mm-hmm. semi-liked the, the third. I played the video game. It is a part of my childhood. And I don't think this movie ruined my childhood by any means. Yeah. I'm not saying that. It just it just, it just just felt indicative of something that's happening where it, everything's purely nostalgia. Yeah. And not trying to push anything forward because we just want to see the same thing over and over again. And like, like I said, Force Awakens has kind of a story beat built in to it where it's like the Force through all yeah. things, the force kind of repeats itself until things correct itself until the universe is balanced, right? Mm-hmm. This Ghostbusters doesn't have that. It's a yeah. comedy alum movie. Anyway, we can move on. This isn't, this wasn't, I didn't mean to spend hey, like a half an hour on this. <laughs> let's, if you have a future uh, episode, uh, show planned up for re- reliving these uh, Ghostbusters movies, um, <laughs> count me in for this one. because I mean, eventually we will do a Ghostbusters series and we'll have to talk about afterlife. So you're on. We'll we'll pencil you in for that one. I definitely need to go on an afterlife for that one. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna watch and be like, "It's the best movie I've ever seen." Yeah, I'm gonna message you when we get. Fuck up. you, like, John. Yeah, John, you're crazy. This is the best <laughs> thing. <laughs> um, we can move on from that because the, the naughty list is not the fun part. The fun part is, in fact, the nice list. The so nice what we're gonna do here? We both selected five movies that brought us immense joy in 2021. We're gonna go back and forth from five to one sharing our top fives there's just movies that we loved a whole lot so do you want to go first then do you want to start with your want to start with your number five i'm gonna go with number five because i think it's a movie that we both really want to talk about actually the whole world is talking about right now (laughs) and it just hit uh, a billion dollars in the box office and that is my top five is spider-man no way home nice let's do it because let me tell you is it weird that i was not really I don't know. I, I don't know what I was expecting with this movie. It's weird because I wasn't as excited. It's so uh, to watch this movie like the, I don't know. This hype level just was not doing it for me. Don't know what it was. Don't get it. But wow, this movie is such a treat. I just can't believe, especially with all the rumors we were hearing as far mm-hmm. as like what was going to happen and blah, blah, blah. And I just thought like, how is this going to make sense? Is this going to just be I thought it was just going to be a here this is just for you guys go wild and enjoy man no i it was such a treat the story was fantastic i so true to peter parker his Absolutely. you know his journey it was just ever since whenever spider-man existed all the way until now just meshed in one movie i don't know how like they did it but gosh it was so good the story was so good and that's it's just true to as all the crazy amazing things that happened and visually what we were you know you know shown i think the character stuff that uh peter parker everything that he goes through just really just did it for me it was the true essence of peter parker yes it was and and using those other peter parkers i'm sorry spoiler alert for spider-man yeah everyone's sorry (laughs) we're we're going in we're we're, we're excited (laughs) (laughs) using the two two other peters yes to push the story and the character of uh the 616 the mcu peter forward Yes. It's just, it was genius. Speak more on it. Go for it. Yeah. Everything that, again, I, everything that, I mean, Tom Holland, I mean, just, I always thought he was a, you know, great acting, you know, Spider-Man, but man, he is just, just so good. And again, don't know how they did it. They pulled it off. What a fantastic way to seal this trilogy of, uh, of Spider-Man movies. Absolutely. Um, I, I cannot not talk about, Alfred Molina's character. <laughs> He's just like, it was probably like, it just made, honestly, it made my year just seeing him again. You brought your little action figure in, didn't you? I did. I guys, <laughs> I have my, yeah, he's now, he's now a Christmas ornament right now. I'm going to use, I'm using him all year wrong. And my goodness, they did such a justice to, to a service to um, the Green Goblin, um, William Defoe, because I'm sorry, that man is menacing. He's a menacing, he's menacing. And even without his mask, he's scary. He terrified me in the original 2002 Spider-Man. And 
years later, I'm just as, if not more terrified. You know, all those memes with, uh, with Michael Caine about him not having to go so hard in a Muppet Christmas Carol. Yes. That was, that was Willem Dafoe in this movie. It's like, dude, you didn't have to come in so hot. We're so thankful you did, but he didn't have to go that hard. He was so, so, so menacing. And he's like, what, like 85 years old, (laughs) like 70, 72 or something like that. But he did his own fighting. Yeah. And he came in and was like, I don't want to do this if I'm not doing it myself because I don't yeah. want it to look bad. I don't yeah. want to just do like a, a cameo or any of this stuff. And I was just like, man, he's still so scary, especially scary. as the ultimate like Spider-Man villain. Uh, incredible performances by, you know, the actors in this movie. But I mean, there's just so much. I mean, there's so much really to really unpack. And I mean, it, it can be a whole entire episode. But yeah, absolutely loved uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, I just thought the whole idea of bringing all these Spider-Man and the multiverse, like just how, how, how's this going to make sense? But, you know, Marvel does what they do and, you know, it kind of makes sense. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we had, a, we have our little chat. We have like a star Wars. It started as a high Republic book club chat, but it's kind of turned into like a, a friend group group chat yeah. on uh, Instagram. And we were yeah. all kind of like, I mean, some of us were like sky, sky high hyped, like 10 yeah. out of 10. And some of us were, I was definitely like in Spider-Man three mode. That's like, that's too much stuff going on. Yeah. There's too many villains. What it's going to, yeah. how is it going to happen? And they just nailed it. Like yes. from the beginning, they just nailed it. Yes. And to leave Peter at the end oh. where most movies would start Peter. Yes. It was like a reversed engineered origin for Peter yes. Parker, for Spider-Man. And who knows if we'll get more of it, but that's such yes. a perfect poetic ending for him and i realized that hypocrisy of like yelling about ghostbusters nostalgia in a movie that's like packed full of nostalgic spider-man <laughs> from my youth but it's like it was again like i was saying it used that nostalgia to celebrate the character yeah. because it was like this is a peter parker movie this isn't a spider-man movie it, but it's also it's like a peter parker movie on the lowest level mm-hmm. i'm sorry on the highest level mm-hmm. and then it's like then it's a spider-man movie yeah and it's just absolutely. about what it feels and what it means to be Spider-Man in a way that these other movies have not done. And then also as a way to tie all of those other movies together and say like, isn't, isn't Spider-Man great basically. And it's like, yes, he is. Spider-Man is great. He is great. And can I get more Tobey Maguire Spider-Man? Because I want to, I want to know what this Peter Parker is up to. Like there's something like about him, like Peter Parker. What what are you what are you up to these days? That's what I I really I like that know. they didn't de-age him. I like that they brought him in like yeah at the age he was at and like things have happened to him in his life. Yeah. And then Andrew Garfield like off the charts, <laughs> amazing in this movie. I love him. He's like, like the yeah. It's like you have Tobey Maguire as the older brother, big brother. Then you have yeah. the middle <laughs> Andrew Garfield playing like the middle middle brother um yeah, yeah he's so good <laughs> i think uh peter number three was like yeah. always and forever gonna be my favorite thing from the movie yeah, I, sure. again i feel like we could talk spider-man no way home yeah, all day my goodness and, uh it's it's like uh it's like garlic in the recipe if you put too much um, of it in it'll take over the whole thing but yeah <laughs> we're uh we're trying to make a, a nice gumbo here so yeah that's spider-man no way home uh silver's number five my number five is a the Disney animated film Encanto nice. I thought was really brilliantly done. Definitely one of my favorite movies of the year. Full stop. Saw this on Thanksgiving day uh, at the request of um, one of my two four-year-olds who was like, can we see this all together as a family? Can grandma and grandpa come see this with us? And it couldn't have been more perfect because it's a movie. Have you seen this? Yes, 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 yes. It's a movie about, family and generational trauma yes and so many movies are about trauma lately i'm fascinated by it and unpacking that generational trauma and it's about kind of reclaiming columbia as a place that's not just like taking place in narcos land you know it's like talking about the beauty in the of family but also what can bring your family down and destroy your family with this you know experiencing generational trauma can can affect and ripple down through generations and generations and it's a movie uh, about this daughter, Mirabelle, who, whose family gets these magic powers from a candle after their grandmother gets a, uh, it goes through a really traumatic event and loses her husband. This gift passes down from genera- through, through mm-hmm. the generations and everyone gets like a superpower and the house is alive and they all get their own special room in the house. But Mirabelle doesn't get a gift on her on her special day and spends all that time figuring out why. And the reasons why are really, really amazing and really emotional. 
great performance by Stephanie Beatrice from mm-hmm. Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yes. Didn't know she had it in her. Just so vibrant and alive, and and, and the songs are total bangers. Yes. Like every song is so good. So good. Like there's no villain in this movie, right? No. There's no villain. No, no villain. Just removing the villain from that kind of focuses on the conflict of the family. Yes. And then using the house as like a metaphor for the house breaking as a metaphor for like how a family can fall apart from the inside. And like Bruno played by John Leguizamo is like an outcast in the family that like lives in the walls. He's like the black sheep of the family that people don't talk about. And it's like, they still live within your family and those ideas of the the weird, the weird one that gets in there is still part of your family, no matter what, at the end of the day, I just, I just really loved it. I thought it was a great, great movie. It messed me up. Messed me up in a good way. Very emotional. It's very emotional. I did not expect, but I mean, again, but I I love what you just, what you mentioned that, you know, it was able, you're able to see a different part of Columbia and this is, this is what, instead of it just being, okay, this is where the drugs come from guys, Columbia. No, um, you're able to kind of, it's, it's, it's vibrant. It's beautiful. It's colorful. And I just love that we've been getting movies or especially like cartoons like that lately where they're just Mm -hmm. showcasing um you know just other you know parts of the world and you know and just like the rich culture that's within those and right um yeah i loved it i I messed i messed me up totally watching this movie i was like oh my gosh but yes like you talked about like just generational trauma that we all (laughs) don't know what yeah we all got we all have it we all have it families are you know families could be are tough and you know what a what a great i absolutely love this movie i knew it was working on me when you know i saw it with you know like i said my mom and my dad and my two boys my mom is sitting next to me and my dad's still left me crying i was like my mom probably doesn't understand that this movie like 100 pertains to our family even though it's based on a like a Colombian family, like the yeah. themes of it, yeah, pertain to our everyone's family, and I, I just don't think that she like tuned into that. She was like, "It was great." The movie shows responsibility taken for family members. I'm not trying to like psychoanalyze myself on this podcast. I'm just saying like, <laughs> there's a a lot of power in an apology. There's yeah. a lot of power in um accepting that your Acceptance. family's not perfect. Yes, yeah, and um, I mean that's that's a lot of weight to put on an animated movie's shoulder, but shoulders, but they do it. They're yeah. going for it in this movie. Yeah. So, yeah, that's Encanto. That's my number five. All right. I'm going to go on with my number four on my nice list. Um, I just watched this movie yesterday, and I loved it. I think I messaged you. This is Don't Look Up. Nice. Directed oh, yes. by Adam McKay. And let's talk about the cast. First of all, There's uh, who isn't in this movie? That's what I want to know. I was excited when I announced, you know, when they announced this movie originally, because just obviously like who's in it and all that stuff got me really excited. And, you know, Adam McKay is great, but this movie (laughs) scared the living crap out of me because I was the entire time I was nervous as like, I did like a nervous laugh, like a, uh okay, this is actually very very similar to i feel what the world what we're what we're living in a world um but yeah this uh this movie has an amazing cast leo dicaprio and uh jennifer lawrence who discovered this comet thing that's coming directly to earth and they got to go warn everybody and no one is taking impending doom seriously i agree with you john you also said that jonah hill's performance in this movie (laughs) is probably your best and just out of sight (laughs) is so good but yeah um i enjoyed this movie just again i mean maybe because the you know the world we live in now i feel it was very just almost surreal just how scary (laughs) this is how we act as people but i enjoyed it i thought it was funny um i think leo's last uh word in the movie really kind of like my goodness, kind of gut me when he said he mentions as the world is coming to an end, you know, wow, we really did have everything. And oh my, oh God. my gosh, it's chilling. It's chilling. It's chilling. It it's sick. funny. It makes it's, me sick. It's silly. It's weird. I don't I think I like it because of how I felt like I was like, it was the most like it was chilling. It was silly. 
but almost like scary. And I, sure. I went, I went through through so many emotions watching this movie. But yeah, I checked it out yesterday, and it's I'm still thinking about it. I can't get this movie out of my head. A lot of people think that Adam McKay can be really self righteous and a yeah. little too inflammatory. Yeah, and I I love that about him because mm-hmm. he started off making Anchorman, <laughs> and just decided that you know he's about as famous as you, as you can get as a comedy director, yeah. and to use that platform to make like the Big Short and yeah. Vice, which yes. again are very are very divisive movies, mm-hmm. and to use that platform to just kind of make these kind of fuck you movies, I think it's yeah. so great. I just yeah. love him. I love it. And did you ever see the Big Short? I did. I did watch that, the Big Short. Yeah, the ending of that movie where. They're kind of doing the where are they now title cards. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And there's a, the very last one is that the guy who started the housing crisis yeah. in 2008 is now known to be investing in water. Which uh, one of the most ch- chilling reveals of any movie I've ever seen. It was like a horror movie. I had the same feeling for about 75% of Don't Look Up. It's funny. I'm laughing, but I'm like, I'm just laughing because I don't want to cry. Exactly. It's, so, it's just so accurate and not that far off it's satire but you know satire is kind of dead because our world is already kind of yeah. so stupid that like yeah. it's it's hard to do satire but it's it's really well done i love the cast i think everyone's really firing all cylinders here i think jonah hill is fucking phenomenal in this movie <laughs> what he uh when they're watching the space shuttle launch to help like destroy the asteroid to save the yeah. world and he's like molly's hitting time that shit perfectly did you see the post credit scene um with jonah yeah or the yeah where he's yeah, like he's what's like, up fam we yeah, out here we shit's out here. fucked up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> last man <laughs> last man on earth shit's yeah, yeah. fucked up we out here <laughs> I so it's i love so him good. totally my number four and it's so crazy i just watched that movie yesterday but i'm probably gonna watch it again tonight i think if that was released earlier in the year it would definitely be on my list it's definitely on like my top 20 yeah. of the year it's crazy i know it's crazy i even put this on the list but no, I, was I love it like, i love it as, I'm glad as, you I was, as i was going through my list today i was like dude i really like that that movie just brought me like i really enjoyed it yeah, and it's okay like, if you put it on your list because this is all like made up anyway it's like yeah. none of this matters so <laughs> we're all gonna get hit by an asteroid anyway we're so all, exactly might as well put what makes us happy on our on our movie list exactly <laughs> my number four might be the reason that i wanted to do this podcast just because I needed to talk about it. My number four is Malignant from James Wan. Nice! I love, I'm love. i a huge fan of The Conjuring 1 and 2. I love mm-hmm. James Wan. Aquaman's one of the most like insane movies I've ever seen. I love it more than most modern blockbusters. I just think James Wan is a genius. Malignant is not a good movie for about 50% of it. Mm-hmm. And then once the last half hits, it might be the best movie ever made. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's one of the only true, pure, like movie experiences that people like agreed on yeah. in, in 2021, where like you could actively watch Twitter as people were seeing the ending of it yeah. and being like, oh my God, this is fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, not understand that there was a twist and like to yeah. watch it and to have this thing like, creep up on you is why uh james wan is such a master is because he doesn't he doesn't care at all he's just trying to tell wacky wild stories he's just really inventive camera work um and it's it it completely forgives the first half of the movie which is just kind of like a (laughs) ho-hum kind of poorly done cgi horror movie man i loved it and uh that's my number four is malignant by james wan Cool. I got to check that one out. Just when you think you're not going to like it, I'm going to surprise you the second half. I couldn't sleep after the reveal. Yeah. It's one of those moments I wish I saw in a theater with like a full full oh, house because yeah. people would have been like throwing popcorn at the screen. Walking out and everyone's just like, you know, and then you're driving home thinking about it still and just like, mm-hmm. oh, so good. High-fiving uh, afterwards. Yeah, high-fiving. <laughs> this is the greatest thing we've seen. My number three is King Richard. Nice! Directed oh, yes. by Ronaldo Marcus Green, and it has Will Smith, um, John J. Ellis, and it is the story of King Richard, um, Venus and Serena's, you know, just kind of like their their beginnings before they were big tennis superstars. A great story overall. Um, I haven't seen Will Smith act in a movie like this in so long, and I was so happy. I was nervous walking into this movie just because... I just thought Will Smith was just going to go like extra Will Smith and I'm just wasn't going to enjoy it. I don't know if that makes sense. And you know, I know it, it does. Kinda, it was going to kind of take me out of it. Overdoing um, it maybe. 
Yeah, just kind of take me out of it. I just was not looking, you know, just was kind of nervous about that. But man, I absolutely enjoyed this movie. I love watching a movie that when I leave the theater, I'm online and finding more information about, you know, whatever. Yeah, so I was at home looking up King Richard interviews, you know, early Serena and Venus, uh, Venus and Serena, like, you know, tournaments. Like I was just so obsessed. And this is such a... It was just such a it was just such a feel good movie. Um, I love those. I, I I love tennis. I love the Williams sisters. This is already you know I already knew I was gonna enjoy it somewhat. But uh, man, I didn't expect to for it to be so good. Like I know that you know probably bad to say, but I absolutely I loved it. Um, and again, it was more of um the dad and you know this family and like their values and you know, how raising their daughters are important and, you know, just insane how he taught himself, learned tennis, I guess. And, you know, next thing you know, he has, you know, he has two superstars, you know, uh, you know, for kids and it's just, I don't know, it's such a good story the way it was told. And, but yeah, even like the tennis playing scenes, um, the, it's just the way it was shot. It was just, but yeah, even like the the actresses, I don't have their names on me right now, but who played the young Serena and young Venus. But they were fantastic. Everyone, um, everyone acting in this movie was so good. <laughs> I'm always amazed by child actors and yes. how they can get such amazing performances out of them. Mm-hmm. And these these girls that played the, the Williams sisters were incredible. Just so incredible. So good. And and believable yes. tennis playing as well. That's yes. another difficult thing in sports movies is to get it to look like they're actually playing the sport. They had to train a lot. I was almost interviewed. I'm telling you, I went and looked at every interview I could. <laughs> um, was it Cindy as Sydney as Venus Williams and yes. uh, Demi Singleton as, Demi as Serena? Singleton as Serena. I was also blown away by Ingenue Ellis in this movie. Oh, so good. A lot of times in sports movies like this, you get like the wife figure that's like, either like, yes, honey, you can do it, or um, is so anti whatever the characters are trying to do that they come off as like real loathsome people. But she was a necessary element of the family. Oh, like she so she good. came off, they they painted her in such a, a great light in yeah. this movie. And she was incredible and mm-hmm. was went toe to toe with Will Smith for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that kitchen scene where they're, you know, they're arguing is so good. No, I totally agree. Like when they Yeah, like, it's just it wasn't just like the dad really holding this family together. It's like the mom, you know, it's the mom also, you know, and right. It was a full working family. It was a it full. Was. Yeah. I just love being inspired after I go see a movie. I was so inspired sure. afterwards and it just, it just really did it for me. Um, also I was able to watch it again with my mom and my mom, seeing my mom just really enjoy the movie. And um, yeah, it was so good. De- uh, yeah. Definitely made my, yeah, it's top three for me because I just these movies. I just seen it in a movie that kind of made me really feel good and you know leaving me inspired. They don't really make movies like this anymore either. They don't really. I love a good I, sports movie like this. It, they just don't. <laughs> they just don't do these like mid level sports dramas anymore. And I'm so it. glad that they made it. Also, shout out to John Bernthal, my guy. I love John Bernthal so much, and he's fantastic <laughs> yeah. in this movie. The fact that he can make the mustache, the hair, <laughs> the short shorts. He was rocking that mustache. Eli. I'm gonna dress like. Yeah. I'm going to dress like him in 2022. I think that's yeah. my, my style. Is that your st- style? style icon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going he... full Rick Mackey. I'm going full Rick yeah. Mackey in 2022. Don't, don't know how he did it, but there he goes. Did it again. <laughs> <It's> I'm like. <laughs> the the Bernthal factor. It's I that Bernthal bump. I, uh, yeah, definitely my number three. Yeah, I loved King Richard. I thought it was really fantastic. Okay. My number three is a, a cheat for sure. Te- technically, let's see. One, two, three, four, five movies in one. It was just a really amazing year for music documentaries, and I love a music documentary. I'll watch anything I can get my hands on. I mean, the HBO Music Box series that's out now with, like, Juice World, and then, you know, obviously Jagged uh, I, being, one, being one of those. Yes. I, I'm an Alanis Morissette head through and through. Hell bought yeah. That album day, bought that album day one, and, and, and watching that was a gift. In terms of just music documentaries throughout the year, like Summer of Soul uh, that came out on Hulu directed by Questlove, get back obviously the uh 47 hour long beatles documentary on disney plus directed by peter jackson was just like a dream come true yeah that was amazing Um, the velvet underground documentary from todd haynes was amazing less of a portrait of the velvet underground and more of a portrait of new york during that time which i Mm -hmm. thought was that that period of new york is 
essential to the growth of the Velvet Underground and to music at the time. And just Todd Haynes is uh, my king. And uh, the Sparks Brothers documentary from Edgar Wright, which was a movie I was chomping at the bit to see. Sparks is one of my favorite bands of all time. Nice. And it was a huge, huge, huge year for Sparks, as we'll get into a little bit later. But just what a, what an amazing year for music documentaries. No, 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 nice. And um, just full access, bizarre uses of streaming to get like this eight hour Beatles epic where you're seeing these really intimate moments between them, things you've never seen before. I fell, sorry, did not. No, go, don't go for it. I, that Beatles documentary, I kept looking at my husband, we were watching it and I was just like, is this like for real? Is this like really them? (laughs) Like, I couldn't believe it. I felt like, wait, this is like, this is really happening. And we're seeing them, we're seeing their collaborate, the, the way they collaborate, you know, and it's like, I almost felt like I can't believe we're just so, this is so intimate. This is insane. It was wild. Yeah. There needs to be like a, um, Oculus, like VR version of it where you can like <laughs> be the other person in the room with them. Just sit down um, and just chill right there with them. Yeah. No, just, sure. I mean, just the fact that all that footage exists and, and is, you know, restored by Peter Jackson, you know, this all existed in the let it be documentary from, uh, I'm not sure what year it was released, but that was largely uh, rejected and, and and really hard to watch and find now. And this just paints an entirely different picture. Let It Be was depressing. And I mean, this was depressing too, because it's about basically about the death of the Beatles. Yeah. But it's also uplifting and you get these really dorky Paul mo- moments and these really amazing George just being like the goober of the band. George, yeah. George is just like, there's a part I, where George shows up and he's like, sorry, I'm late. I was eating a big breakfast because I was so hungry. <laughs> I, was like, I love it. I get it. I get yeah. it, George. I get, I get it. it. <laughs> um, but yeah. And I mean, Summer of Soul, worth it just for the uh, Stevie Wonder footage alone. But man, talk about a movie that documents something that's lost from history. Like I never knew this concert existed. And it's just it's just a fantastic collection of, of just all your favorites from that era. And then the Sparks Brothers movie was, you said you, le- you like leaving movies feeling inspired. Sparks Brothers is like, it's a documentary about one of my favorite bands, but it's also about, it's also a celebration of being true to your art and not letting anybody tell you how to do things differently. Because Sparks basically just made their own decisions for 40 years and is yeah. still one of the most influential bands of all time. And it's just so well done and funny, gives you all the insight you've ever wanted. And it's just, it's really worth checking out. I think that's on Netflix now too. So yeah, um, all these movies can be, you know, Velvet Underground's on Apple+. Plus. Sparks is on Netflix. Jagged's on HBO Max. Jagged uh, is so good. Jagged Damn. rules. Like Jagged, just every, every. I'm in love with Alanis Morissette in every from every level of her life, from every era of her oh, life. Oh, I was crying in that documentary when she's singing with her daughter. That song, first of all, that song is beautiful. It's a beautiful written song, and oh, just she's just such a singer songwriter in her that just can just make you just feel things with her words. But Legendary. yeah, that. That jagged uh, documentary was such a treat. I honestly, John, I'm not joking. I've watched it eight times because I love it. So <laughs> I'm much. glad it's so freaking good. She's just so fucking cool. It's like she's just there with her, you know, oversized tee, her docs, and her just doing whatever the hell she wants. And you know, it's just so cool. And you guys, I'm uh, pivoting my uh, naughty or my uh, nice list. Uh, jagged, it takes uh, all type. <laughs> It's all top five spots. Oh, shit. All five. Oh, wow. It's a a jagged sweep. Yeah. Yep. Jagged sweep. Yeah. That's exactly. Shout out to Alanis Morissette. You did it. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It was really great. Apparently, she distanced herself from the the film, and I'm wondering why. I haven't been able to find out why that she, like, something wasn't accurately depicted. I'm not sure what it was. but I was really bummed out. I'm like, well, what wasn't accurately depicted? I mean... Yeah, I wonder. There's a a lot in there, so who knows? But yeah, so that's that's my number three is uh, five movies in one. So there you go. Let's see. My number two is Last Night in Soho. Oh, man. Nice! And that was directed by Edgar Wright, and it has Anya Taylor-Joy, Thomas and McKenzie, and Matt Smith. Um, a freaking horror thriller movie set in like 1960s London. Um, well, it's kind of weird. It's back and forth, but yeah. Did you just watch that movie? 
I actually did not see it, and I'm really, I'm really mad I didn't. I heard it was inspired by uh, this movie called Don't Look Now with Donald Sutherland, which is like one of my favorite movies. Yeah, super fucked up, like psychological, oh, thriller horror movie. Dude. And uh, I, and I just, I, I, I like Edgar Wright as a filmmaker. I just, it's just one of those wa- weird ones that like I probably watch Malignant again instead of seeing it or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. And it's almost like it kind of like snuck up on me, like. Almost sure. like not that much, like, you know, obviously, like, it didn't get publicized a lot. And I completely forgot I was in theaters. And I'm like, oh, I guess it, this movie's out. Yeah, no, it's really, it's a psychological thriller. And it just freaking, like, messed me up. And not to mention the actresses in these movies are, in this movie is so, so good. I don't know. I just, it's crazy because I'm not, like, into, like, crazy thrillers like this. But this sure. one was just really did it for me. Um but yeah, I don't want to kind of like, I, I really want you to watch it. And, you know, I want to, uh, so you can kind of. You kinda... can feel free. I spoiled, I feel like I spoiled three movies for you. Yeah, so but I don't care. I think I'm due. <laughs> okay. Okay, sure. Yeah, 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 no. I want you to It know. is what I, I think, really want to see. No, but... because I think for me, the re- like, there's just some reveals and twists that kind of, I think it's, you should watch sure. it. And then you'll, yeah, you'll enjoy it. Quick summary, she's Thomas and Mackenzie. She plays an aspiring, like, designer but like when she goes to sleep, she's like in this 1960s London as um, as a singer at a club. And it's just so crazy, the back and forth that they go through. And um, I really like um, that actress, too, because I loved her in Jojo Rabbit. So it was really I just think she just has this face when she acts and. You can just feel like every emotion that she goes through and just by like her expressions and honestly what she goes through in the story, it's pretty dark. It's, you know, it's, it's crazy. And again, she does, she does it so well with just like little, just her features. Um, And, but yeah, I, I absolutely love this movie and I want to, I don't want, I, you need, you deserve to actually watch it and like hear the reveal and all that stuff. Those are one of those things. So I'm going to kind of hold it again. Like when it's like a period, like the, london in the 60s that was really fun to kind of you know kind of see and sure. um but yeah i absolutely enjoyed this movie it's on my list for sure it's just something i just never got around to and i'm really excited to see it it's so <laughs> fucking creepy it's so good <laughs> <laughs> and i appreciate you not spoiling it for me i don't want I, yeah i don't think any. i think yeah to return the favor of not spoiling it for me i will not spoil my next pick uh for number two is pig nice <laughs> did you see pig no, and I'm pissed. I okay. haven't seen it. Do not okay. spoil you, you, it for me. You, yeah. I will not. I will not because you, you absolutely need to see it as a chef. It's wonderful. Um, one one of the best performances of the year from Nicolas Cage. Very quiet, stoic. Generally speaking, it's about a uh, uh, guy in the Oregon wilderness that has a truffle hunting pig that goes missing, and he has to go rescue it. It's Aww. a movie. It's at number two for me because it's a movie that I thought was going to be one thing completely and it ended up being something so much more magical and amazing. I and, hear that from everyone. Yeah. Kind of telegraphs itself a little bit, but it's, I didn't care. It's just a really wonderful, very surprising, extremely well-made movie from Michael Sarnowski. It's his first feature film. And I just don't understand it. What? How you get Nicholas Cage for your first movie. He, he was an editor, on a couple of things, he made a couple of shorts, but like this is, I'm extremely excited to see where he, what he does next because if this is his first movie, only great things are coming. And like I said, you specifically need to see this movie; you will love it. Yeah, so I won't, I won't say anymore for fear of spo- spoiling. Anything. Yeah, no, I'm, 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 I, I have yeah, a lot of tea. I, got... I drink a lot of tea, and I have a big mouth right now, so <laughs> you better chill out. Um, <laughs> no, I really want to watch that movie, um, just because, dude, Nick Cage, man. Hello. Rocker. <laughs> Can we? I, obviously, everybody is. I'm a huge Nick Cage fan. He's got a pyramid tomb in Cemetery One in New Orleans that's like there for him when he dies. He's going to be uh, buried in a pyramid in New Orleans. And I visited that. And like, I just, I mean, I'm a huge national treasure guy. <laughs> I love national treasure. Uh, national, you sh- as everyone should. <laughs> he just, he means a ton to me. He's one of my, I mean, he's in my second favorite movie of all time, Wild at Heart. Just to see him come back in this, a role awesome. like this, that's just like, and just mm-hmm. crush it is, was yeah. a, a lot of fun to see. So yeah. yeah, Pig is my, Pig is my number two. All right. My number one movie, just because of the weirdness and just visually stunning i felt like i was on like a drug trip 
and I didn't take any drugs, um, which is kind of <laughs> it, was a, sure? it was a it was a, <laughs> it was a good time, a uh, good time for sure in the theater. Um, and that was Green Knight. Nice. I, intoxicatingly beautiful. <laughs> I was. That, I, that's all I really have to say. I was. It was just a, just visually it was so stunning. Um, I loved I loved Dev Patel very much. Um, I felt like I was like under the spell, like leaving the theater. This is my favorite movie just because of just the, ex- the experience that I've had. And, you know, just the the imagery is so memorable, you know. It's but, definitely a slow burn. And I think I mean, very purposely so. I, I remember saying, talking to people about it and just saying it was like a spirit quest. It yes. wasn't like it was a deconstructed hero myth. But it felt more like a uh, like peyote trip or something. Like it was yeah. just so wonderfully done, and the vibrant colors. And then Joel Edgerton, when he appears in it, is just commanding. And I'm I'm glad he got to play a role like this because he's I mean, he's our guy uh, Owen. But I know he's Uncle he's, Owen. He's, yeah, <laughs> he doesn't usually like to. He doesn't usually get to do fun stuff like this. And uh, and I mean Dev Patel is just one of the most attractive people on the planet. So, uh, yeah, definitely. That's definitely my number one, number one movie for sure. Again, just because Lee walking out of the theater, just thinking like, what the hell did I just watch? This is like the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. That's what movies are for. That's exactly what they're for. And that's what theaters are for too. Um, I had the same experience. I felt like I was floating on a cloud for the rest of the day. When I saw this movie, I was a little bit concerned about it because I feel like there's a lot of sameness to like a 24 movies, the weighty message of like choosing your journey for yourself through your life. You can choose to be the hero or you can, you know, I almost just said the Batman quote, Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, are you live long enough to become the villain? That's basically the theme, right? It's like legends are told and meant to be deconstructed. And it's like, things aren't always as they seem in a legend. So yeah, I'm glad that's your number one. I love, I love, love, love The Green Knight. My number one was a movie that I was anticipating since like 2019, and it got shelved because of COVID. Finally made it to the theater. I was checking my phone daily for it to appear. Like I said earlier, I'm a huge Sparks fan. I'm also a huge Leos Carax fan. Holy Motors is one of my favorites ever. And uh, the movie Annette is my number one movie <laughs> on, on my on my nice list. Nice! Because, oh my God, like... Talk about being hyped for something and it, yeah. checking every checking every single box you're excited for. Yeah. Oh, Adam Driver, amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Marianne Cotillard, amazing. Yeah. Un- mm-hmm. Underutilized, possibly put in an extremely sexist story. It's okay. Yeah. It's not about that. It's about deconstructing that aspect of being yeah. a celebrity and being an artist. <laughs> I, I say that as a uh, cis white man. It's okay. <laughs> the performances are out of control, especially uh, Simon Helberg. I was yeah. blown away by him as the uh, the company uh, the accompanist. But man, Adam Driver just a just a force of nature in this movie. Just commanding. He can sing. He can dance. He's funny. He's terrifying. Brutish. He's everything in this movie. And um, the songs were not right exactly where I where I wanted them to be. But I think that was mm-hmm. part of the point. I think it yeah. was like supposed to be more of a vibe i really don't yeah. like when people say that but this movie is definitely a vibe and of course the successor to baby yoda uh baby annette the little wooden <laughs> puppet uh times person of the year annette not every movie you see is going to feature a wooden uh puppet girl singing at the super bowl and that annette, was and that has that in spades <laughs> yeah uh, no for sure <laughs> Um, what, what I love so much about it, though, was not all of these things like the Sparks aspect of the Adam Driver. I love there are parts of it I hated. There are parts of it I really loved. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like movies don't challenge people enough lately. I think the movies give people exactly what they want. And this is, I mean, Leo's Carax is a director that's not going to do that. And I, I, it felt good to be challenged by a movie. It felt good to be, you know, it's accessible, but it's also like, it's accessible to get you in there and then to mess with you and to annoy you and to freak you out and to make you super uncomfortable to make you happy. The ending of this movie is heartbreaking. I don't know. It's just, it's my number one with a bullet because it's just, it just delivered on everything that I was hoping for. And yeah. so maybe, so maybe start uh, the first song of the movie is just like my fucking jam. I love it so much. Um, and that yeah, I was I just going to say, that's my favorite song. Like that beginning song. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Annette messed me up for weeks after I saw it. I was just yeah. like, oh my God, I had no idea. Sparks Sparks is just 
probably the best band of all time. Yeah, for um, sure. <laughs> and, and of course, they're responsible for like my favorite movie of the year. But yeah, Annette, if you haven't seen it, go watch it 17 times because it rules. Any honorable mentions you want to bring up? I really like Judas and the Black Messiah. That was like in the beginning Loved of the it. year. Um, uh, my musicals, West Side Story, In the Heights. Oh. Um, I absolutely enjoyed In the Heights. Um, just being Hispanic myself, it was just such sure. a um just brought so much pride and you know it was probably one of my favorite things to watch um ever and yeah. surprisingly my husband too he you know <laughs> he does not like musicals but he enjoyed in the heights um and then we have come on come on with joaquin phoenix i you saw that yeah it's oh it's, i want to see it so bad it's really good it's really good um come on come on uh house of gucci and I just saw this on Sunday, uh, Licorice Pizza. All these movies got bumped for Spider-Man around me. They took them all out. Like, Licorice Pizza has, like, one showing at a time where I can't go see it. Yeah. Um, and I want to see Come On, Come On so bad. I love Mike Mills. I'm actually really fortunate because I live across the like, I live real across the street from a theater. It's very, like, artsy vibes. Sure. <laughs> I'm saying vibes. It's very artsy. Um, like, so they play, like, smaller indie films and stuff. So I was a, yeah. So like the movies that that's a, pl- a movie theater that, yeah, they'll show Spider-Man, but they're going to like, you know, make room for, you know, these movies. But um, yeah, so I was able to catch the Grish pizza on Sunday and it is freaking fire. PTA is my Lord and savior. So yeah. I'm really excited to see that one. And just to clarify, I don't, I don't mind when people say vibes. I don't like when people describe, <laughs> describe movies as yeah. vibes. It's like, I don't yeah, know what yeah, that yeah. means. I get um, it. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not that much of a stickler. Yeah. Um, my, um, my honorable mentions, I only put Matrix Resurrections on my honorable mentions because we're about to do a whole episode about it next week. So Matrix Resurrections, I just love the death. Dune, Dune's only on here on, on honorable mentions because I never really had an attachment to the book as a kid. I just came into the movie more as a, like a Denis uh, Villeneuve head. I just mm-hmm. loved him as a director. Yes. Um, so my, my attachment to it, I, I loved it. I saw it twice. Suicide Squad. James Gunn's Suicide Squad. Did not expect it to like that as much as I did. I really loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. The Mitchells versus the Machines. Uh, no Time to Die. I really loved. Huge Daniel Craig Bond fan. And yeah. it was a really satisfying ending to that outing from him, I thought. Green, Green Knight and House of Gucci were on mine. King Richard yes. was on mine. Uh, Ron's Gone Wrong, I thought, was really funny and really mm-hmm. well done. Um, my boys loved it. Uh, Quiet Place 2 was a movie I forgot about it, but I enjoyed oh yes quiet place Two. quiet yes. place Two ruled it was great yeah it's just a it's just such an unbeatable premise like you could make 80 of those things and i go see all of them zola i thought was wonderful and i i really loved old the more i thought about old i was like this movie sucks but it's amazing at the same time <laughs> you gotta you gotta you gotta celebrate the big swings in life yeah uh no, and for sure and m night Shyamalan's uh taking them taking those big swings i thought before we wrap this up we could do a wild card round. Um, just one thing, pop culture related, could be anything from 2021, TV show, stupid meme, video game, paparazzi photo, anything at all that's not a movie that brought you great joy in 2021, that made you that made you happy in this past year. Did you have anything that you wanted to talk about? I want to talk about a show that just made just, I'm so happy it exists. And I've actually rewatched it a few times already. Mayor of Easttown. I absolutely love that show. Um, just Phenomenal. Kate Winslet <laughs> eating hoagies and drinking beer yes. is probably just she's still visually she's just still stunning and you know and you know, I, I I absolutely enjoyed that show and you know looking forward to Sundays and was such a treat and that definitely brought me joy it was and I'm probably going to be saying that next week after I watch Book of Boba <laughs> and after I watch, uh, after yeah. uh, uh, Cobra Kai uh, season four, I think is getting premiered. Um, or oh, season... it's, co- it's back already? It's uh, Yeah. And, uh, on Friday, it's going to premiere. So I can't wait to binge that over the weekend. Um, that's already, that's already, be, that's already bringing me joy is uh, Cobra Kai. Uh, the <laughs> just his existence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just knowing that I get to watch it this Friday and binge is bringing me immense joy. But um but yeah, but Mayor of Easttown. That show destroyed me. The last episode yeah. of that show, I was a puddle Holy on the crap. ground. And what a fun, like, monoculture moment. What a fun moment of, like, everyone in trying to figure out the mystery. Like, everyone was buzzing I about it. You don't, you don't get a lot of shows like that anymore. I love that. 
Yeah, um, everyone lost their mind with the finale, just like as we all should. Um, and they nailed it too. They just they just they brought did. it home, and 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 it was such an emotional. The decision to, to reveal the killer in the first like twenty minutes, and then still having forty minutes left of the show to wrap up the emotional beats. Yeah. And and boy, did they! <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. That scene with her and her friend um, at the end is just, yeah, it was so good. Mine. Uh, I had a couple runner-ups. I, mm-hmm. I'm I'm calling audible for what I wrote in the document. My runner-up, one of my favorite things of 2021 was the Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss press tour for Matrix Resurrections, where <laughs> Keanu was just Keanu was just unleashed uh, and being his best self. Maybe happy at every turn. There's a really amazing interview where he's talking about people that wanted to mod a video game to have sex with him, and he was like that's great. <laughs> like he was yeah. like super, super into it. And he's, I think the quote was, uh, it's nice to be nice. Yeah. And then he goes off on this whole thing about like German body suits and VR and Carrie Ann Moss is just like, what are you, what are you doing, dude? I can't right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's wonderful. So just the, the Keanu Carrie Ann Moss press tour. That's um, awesome. Metroid <laughs> dread for the, for the Nintendo switch is cool. a game. I'm not, I'm not even a big video game player yeah. anymore as uh obvious made obvious by the fact that i said video game player and not yeah. gamer not, <laughs> not a gamer not, <laughs> not a huge gamer metroid metroid uh dread my two uh four almost five-year-old boys watched me play it and it was just so fun they were so funny watching me play it like there's little rooms that have like heat bursts and cold bursts and you can't go in them without certain armor and mm-hmm. harrison was like too cold dad too hot dad like, was, like, warning me where to go and they're like yeah. try up there shoot that thing they were like helping me play through it so that I was really that. a really fun little like bonding mm-hmm. moment with them um but honestly i gotta say i thought long and hard about it and that wasn't gonna be my my choice but my biggest joy non-movie wise of 2021 was the great british baking show i i was good uh, i was waiting for that <laughs> my god just just a, a perfect season filled mm-hmm. with perfect people yeah. making perfect perfect things, treats saying, yeah <laughs> just perfect just saying perfect things just yeah. the world's most wonderful people shout out to the juice man giuseppe uh jurgen maggie freya everybody uh, christelle i loved i loved everybody and it's like that's the magic of that show i just i, I don't know they it's just so absurd and such a um a positive pure thing to watch and yeah it's not like Master Chef or Top Chef where there's like this competitive edge. Everyone's helping each other out. I can't. And, I can't. And rooting for each other. And it's just yeah, like you cry awesome. every episode because yeah. someone's bread didn't rise, right? Aww. You're like, no, you're going home. <laughs> I love you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Great British Baking Show was was a, a, a pure joy in 2021. So we did it. <laughs> we did we it. Made, we made it through. We made it through our naughty and yeah. nice list. <laughs> I'm glad we, we said naughty way less than I thought we were going to. Yeah, script. I know. <laughs> naughty. And what do we got? It's Tuesday. We're recording this on a Tuesday. We got Book of Boba Fett tomorrow. How are you feeling? I am so incredibly excited for it. <laughs> I, I know it probably doesn't sound that I am, but I am. I, I can't wait. I can't wait. The show was announced what a year ago, and it's finally here. I'm just in the most rock and roll way possible. Like the show was just announced, like at the end of the other show. (laughs) Yeah, just talking at the end of the Mandalorian was such a boss move. Oh, just yeah, totally. (laughs) And you have your you have your podcast into the garbage chute. Um, You're doing something special for Book of Boba Fett. Um, Do you want to tell people about that a little bit? Yeah, so we're going to be recapping um, every episode uh, on my podcast, um, Into the Garbage Shoot. It's a Boba Fett takeover. So it's called Boba and Friends, where my co-host Kat and I are going to be discussing Star Wars every week with our friends. Is there anything better? Yeah, there really isn't. It's just honestly, (laughs) I live for this stuff. And we cannot wait to uh, talk about that every week. and bring some fun guests on and i can't wait for that yeah i'm excited to hear it and i'm excited to watch it my excitement level for it is in a weird spot where yeah. it feels like the first time i the first time i, w- I was gonna go see bruce springsteen and mm-hmm. i couldn't like believe it until the first note hit you know yeah i'm, yeah. I'm just kind of in this like holding pattern of like but it's not really a, a boba fett tv show right it's like not yeah. really happening yeah and it's like i i know as soon as like the first second hits i'm gonna be like oh on a different planet. So I 
super, super excited for it in that, in that way. But I, I kind of just don't believe like it's happening, but I'm also still processing the force awakens. Like, so I'm yeah. just trying to play, I'm just trying to play catch up. Like, I'm, yeah. just, <laughs> I'm not even at like Mandalorian Luke Skywalker level yet. Oh my I, I got, gosh. I have a lot of will sitting and ever. processing to do. I, will, I, I still have not processed the Luke Skywalker Mandalorian moment ever. Um, I watched that this morning just to cry a little bit and get emotional. <laughs> I, it. I was like, I need a good little something to pick me up. Just a, little a boost. Bit. Yeah. Just give me a boost so I can get messed yeah. up. But yeah, we'll see where that takes us. Excited to listen to your episodes about it. And thank you so much for doing this. This was a lot of fun. Hey, honestly, thanks for having me on. Um, we're in our friends group chat that started as a high Republic book club. And right. um, now it's become I, I think we've had almost a year, um, but we have some amazing friends and we were able to kind of build friendships in this little chat. So, um, John, just me being on your podcast really is really, really awesome. Um, you're like my movie guy. I like talking movies with you. You love you love movies just as much as I do. So, yeah. So this was actually this was such a treat. I really, really appreciate it. Um, it's yeah. nice to not always just talk about Star Wars. Just kidding. I love like talking about Star Wars 24 7. <laughs> but it is nice to kind of like take a like step back and, you know, uh, discuss other things that I love. So thanks so much. Absolutely. And it's um, the thesis statement of this podcast episode is internet friends are real friends. So yeah. And thanks for listening, everybody. Like we said at the top, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and uh, make sure to follow us on Spotify and give us a five star rating on that new Spotify rating system. Next week, we'll be back with our full-fledged matrix resurrections review episode hopefully with a cast of thousands we're seeing how that's going but yeah we're coming back from our holiday break guns blazing and bullet time flying and all this other stuff so uh we'll be back with that matrix resurrections review and um we'll see you next time thanks for listening to the best one since the next one take it easy Nailed it. Whoop, whoop.